Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful lawyer. And I feel like I say this every day or every episode, but we are again double dipping into both an attorney and an expert to talk to us today in Justy Nickel. So for those of you that don't know, she's a feisty, redheaded, nerdy dog and toddler mom with a variety of legal experience, who's actually a person, because you know that's why we get along, human first, attorney second, who wants to genuinely help her clients. She practices primary, <clears throat> excuse me, primarily criminal defense work, but I think most of us know her for her innovation, system design, and using legal tech to achieve great results for her firm and for her clients. She's often teaching other lawyers about tech stacks, guest lecturing at local universities about animal law, giving webinars on law firm automation, uh, she's the Colorado Lawyer Team Visionary, and then also, I didn't know this, runs a commercial property management company in northern Colorado. It's awesome. But at her heart, she is a small-town girl and rural attorney who often travels to clients throughout the majority of the state of Colorado. Access to justice is something that she's passionate about. You'll find that in uh, her wonderful Twitter handle of Justy for Justice. So she keeps her costs down and is on many modest means lists for a low-paying, slow-paying representation. What sets her apart is that obviously she's incredible at what she does. I think, I don't know any of our guests who would say differently, but the what sets her apart is that she knows what it's like to feel stuck, lost, and see no way out, but then also to explore and embrace who she is, what superpowers are, and what to give to this world, which is why she does what she does. And we are excited to have you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, if if you don't have good guests, I'm happy to trash talk them. There we go. So yeah, like Mike Whelan, Jess Birkin, you can tell them I say hi. <laughs> Mike, Mike's been on. Jess is coming on in the next little bit. Yeah. So yeah. we're all good friends. So I know it's it's great to it's really funny to see some of the comments and then if other people don't realize that people know each other, I'm like, oh my god, you think that these people hate each other, but really it's that friendly smack talk. Yeah. Yep. Um, There's a so, fair bit of that on Twitter. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so for those of you that want to get more involved with Justy after hearing the wonderful wisdom she has to share with us, you've got the colawteam.com. You've got uh, facebook.com slash colawteam. You've got the Twitter handle of Justy for Justice, the number four, not the letters four. Uh, and then you have a YouTube channel, which I'm not even going to try to share. It'll be in yeah. the comments if you are listening to this. <laughs> Sorry, find us on Facebook. You'll get the comment or um, Google it and it'll come up from there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also what we don't have here, you have a phenomenal Facebook group and I really enjoy it. Yeah. So we, um, we in Colorado, I'm, I'm part of the Solo Small Firm Executive Council and I'll be, I'm president-elect now. So next fiscal year, I'll be running that group for the CBA, but they have like a really clunky listserv type thing and I hate their program so I just was like ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a solo small firm Facebook group that is mostly for you know attorneys in Colorado but also for people who you know have something important to say and so I would add people like you Jordan and and Mike and, and other folks who I'm like my colleagues can literally learn from these people and so that's a, a good reason for a lot of the, the folks that we have in there. They're either local attorneys that I know, or they are um, folks that can bring value to the group that I've 
personally invited or friends of friends have invited, you know, so yeah, for the most part, it, it works pretty good. Staying, uh, staying up to date on Facebook. That's and that the is, only thing I use it for. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that is surviving SSF practice. So surviving solo and small firm practice. Um, yep. I put the comment in here, Breezy, if you can just copy that over to the thing that's going in there, or you can go on Facebook and look for surviving SSF practice. So anything else I missed in your bio? No, that's very thorough. Um, my property management company, yeah, I, it's me and an assistant and we run 32, 35 commercial tenants and family owned, family owned kind of thing. You heard my sneeze right now. That's my husband who is one of the owners for the property management. We actually office share right now because we are moving. So all my pictures are down. I normally have all my diplomas, but you guys get blank wall. There we go. Well, uh, bless you to your husband. I wasn't sure what that was. So I'm glad you told us it was a sneeze because I thought you were like something was falling on you or something. No. <laughs> or actually the second time it sounded like a barking dog. So yeah. anyway. Well, that can also happen on this one. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's real life. Look, if anybody, if you are here to, and you're not okay with people having lives and children and sickness and pets and whatnot, just get out. Like it's been, you know, it's been 16 months and I hope we never go back to thinking that we need to be super anal with our business meetings all the time over everything. Yeah. I had a business meeting right before this. And what was funny was my parents had a, a litter of kittens and three out of the six of us on that call, not, not including me, um, have kittens from that litter. Oh, so wow. they were all holding their cats up on zoom and like the cats were making appearances on a regular basis. So it's kind of nice. That's like awesome. this is my life, right? Like right. I've always worked from home. So for the most part, I never will have another office and I haven't for like six years besides the one at home that my husband is squatting in. Makes total sense. All right. So today we're going to be talking about why lawyers should not fear marketing. But before we get into that, I want to share our previous episode in which Alicia Kinchlow shared it with us about some secrets to owning a small business and law practice. That was our previous episode. So once you're done listening to the wonderful wisdom we have here from Justy, please go ahead and listen to that last episode to get some great insights of wisdom. But enough of that. Let's talk why lawyers should not fear marketing. I'm super excited about this one. Um, I mean, I, I like all of our guests, but some of the topics just really speak to me because this is one that I think I was terrified about at the beginning, even though I... Uh, unintentionally did a decent job and then finally got over this to become where I am today. I think that's every attorney's, like, especially when you go out on your own, that's every attorney's experience, right? Like you're just, you're terrified you're going to do something wrong. You're terrified you're going to get grieved. You're terrified somebody's going to complain about your advertising because they drill the, you know, rules of professional conduct into your head about what you can and cannot put in an ad and ambulance chasing. And it, it's just so ridiculous. I don't know a single attorney who's ever been grieved because of their advertising. Do you? Uh, I do. Not that any punishment has actually come. So, so one, I'm right. in Florida. Florida has the Different. most anal rules. Literally every single ad has to be approved by the Florida bar for $150 per ad set for everything to the T. Um, I, I don't know. I, a lot of people I think don't follow that, but I've never seen it in the bar journal of like somebody being suspended or punished or whatever for not doing it. So that being said, follow the rule, but also that being said, yes, I've never seen anybody get disbarred from bad advertising unless you're doing like a really awkward kickback scheme and 
fee sharing fees with non-attorneys and like stuff that I don't, I can't even imagine you can convince yourself is okay. Well, and even that is now turning into being, you know, the, the regulatory sandbox issues in, in Utah, sharing with paralegals and non-attorney staff ownership of a firm is where we're headed. Like that is the future. So some of these rules, like I just, I'm pretty lucky. Colorado is not as strict as Florida and That's many other a states. Word. Yeah, we'll go with strict. <laughs> but I think the thing that you have to do is you have to have read the rules that pertain to advertising. You have to try to abide by them, make reasonable efforts. And then if something goes wrong, whoops, I fix it. Right? Like it's, it's not that big of deal. And I have that directly from my bar association's attorney regulation council. So, you you know, I'm like, I'm relying on that. Can I get you to quote that into my microphone? And same thing with tech, you know, there's a fear around technology, cloud computing, client confidentiality, advertising and tech, you know, people are so afraid they're going to mess it up. They're going to get grieved. They're going to end up, you know, having to explain themselves. Reasonable efforts to do the best that you can. Well, see, and I have the, and along to me, it is, yes, you're going to mess up. There are going to be mistakes the entire time, every time. I was listening to an ebook that talked about if you expect yourself to make 10 mistakes every day, then you don't look at every mistake as failure. You look at it as being 10% of the way towards your goal. But like literally we make a million mistakes every single day. Like I bought the wrong lotto ticket. I took the wrong way to work. I put on the, if I put on a different shirt, a client would have hired me this morning. You have no idea. So I think you sort of have to just get over it, which is tough, but like we're all going to mess up many times. Yeah. And. I think part of that is lawyers have perfectionist fantasies by themselves, um, even with just our casework, but certainly trusting someone who's like a third party marketer to do your advertising for you was where I had that like, you know, that moment of uncomfortable, I've got to let control go. And that, you know, that's maybe something else for me to talk about with my therapist, but you know, um, it, it's one of those things that lawyers aren't good at. They teach us to control every variable. They teach us, you know, to go down the what if path and then figure out the best course for your client. And in this case, you're your own client, you know, and you can't just turn that off. Um, but what I really did was I found it so beneficial to trust the professional marketers. I really did. And for attorneys, especially, I had to be a little bit careful when I first started with the marketer because they did not have a ton of attorney clients. So they wanted to do things like put expert at such and such, you know, expert at criminal defense. And I'm like, in Colorado, you can't really say that. Like, that's specifically prohibited. Um, you also can't say, like, you're the lowest cost attorney out there because you can't prove it like there has to be a way to prove those claims otherwise there's like misleading advertising is kind of the way the ethics rules read here and so it was a little bit of supervising the marketer to get her like ad copy just right but you're approving ad copy anyway or you should be you know before something goes live if your face is on it you should have the okay (laughs) and the power to veto it or make changes so that was a big step just like getting getting that marketer going. And then once I started with my current partner and we we started our, our firm in 2019, 
I should say she joined my firm. Um, we went with a national marketing company just for lawyers. And so I interviewed a few, you know, I, I interviewed um, Blue Shark, Spotlight, um, I'm trying to think who else, Consult Webs, a few others. You know, we ultimately ended up going with Blue Shark, which Seth Price is, is an attorney. Their, their team is meant for attorney marketing. And I've never once had to worry about the copy they put out. So in that sense, there was a little bit of peace of mind relying on somebody else as well. Um, obviously, their disclaimer says you have to be responsible for the ethics rules in your state. But also, there's a certain amount of like, whoops, again, they, like my marketing company put this out and I didn't get a chance to review it maybe, but also I'm really sorry about that. I have procedures in place. It just didn't get followed, whatever, you know. I've never had any issues with the marketing since I've had a professional marketer doing it and delegating it was the best thing I did. Well, and sort of the alternative is you're, you get capped out and then you're limited on what you can do. Yep. Yeah. And I hit my limit with like one blog post a week early on. And now I don't have time to do that. I have an intern that does that but I read them over and put my own wording in there to give like a little bit of flavor sometimes. Cause I'm like, this, this reads like a textbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is um, not a research paper. <laughs> well, so, you know, there's that age old expression. If somebody can do it 80% as well as you, you should delegate it. And I always thought that meant like, and then be okay that it's not hundred percent right. But then I think pretty sure it was Jim hacking who was like, no, no, no. Then you have, you spend that much less time getting it that last 20%. And I was like, yep. Oh, that does make a lot more sense. You can, really easily 5x your time by delegating everything to 80. Yep. And so what we've done is um, I've got an extern from DU Law who does um, site checks on all of the substantive legal stuff that goes up on our website. Make sure that, you know, Blue Shark's getting the law right. Um, and then I have an intern who's working with the with me and her as well. We do a marketing meeting a month. We set the the um, what we want to focus on and the topics for each week's blog post. And then they make the Canva graphics they put it out on social media, schedule social media on Buffer. Um, it takes me all of an hour a month at this point. And we're running a blog post every week, two social media posts every day, not necessarily even substantive social media posts. We do a lot of joke social media posts because let's be honest, this is already very dry subject matter. Nobody wants to hear about criminal law, but they really like my little memes. I have like dogs on trial and stuff. So we'll keep doing oh. those. And then it makes engagement and people enjoy it. And then they, you know, continue to follow your page instead of just driving like, oh, I won this award and this is the new law in the area and whatnot. Yep. And so what the, why the YouTube channel is kind of fledgling is because we're now starting the video component of that and obviously using the description and everything for SEO content, we'll pull blog content out of the videos as well. So we can embed the video directly in our blog. That also is what we embed directly into our newsletter. And so my intern does a newsletter every month as well, just a template. And we've changed like a few things, featured blog of the month, you know, call, I have a colleague section now too. Um, occasionally I'll send like referral codes out so people can get discounts on like Smith AI. Um, but I'll, I'll regularly talk about what we're doing to try to make practicing law better, at least here because there's nobody doing this in Colorado, like tech forward, remote practice, everybody was scrambling the last year. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been doing it for five, now six. 
So I, I've got a question because obviously most of your, I don't want to say audience, but most of the community that you've put together are these solo and small firm owners. So to them, where's that time? Where's that? Is it a, is it a timeline? Is it a revenue goal? Where's that point where they need to start offloading at least some of that marketing? I would say um, when, when you're finding, and I don't even know if it's marketing necessarily, but when you're finding that your admin time is taking away from your casework time, if your goal is to do the casework and be the best lawyer that you can, you need some help on the admin side. Best thing I did was stop answering my own phones. Um, Smith AI has been great for that. I know there are others, back office Betty and a few others. But then the second thing that I did was hire a paralegal to help me write and do the content. And that in turn showed up in SEO returns and higher rankings for Google. Um, I would say it's just a time management thing. Like if you're finding you're spending too much time doing admin work, you need to outsource. So then what, what is that too much time or what did you find it to be? <laughs> I think it's different for each practice area, right? Um, I think for criminal defense, mine was, especially when we were going to court in person, when I hadn't put out a blog post in a whole month and my gotcha. goal was to do it once a week. And I'm like, I had missed the last four. I can pay an intern, you know, 100, 200 bucks a pop to write me up something and then I finish it and just push publish. I like, why would I not do that? A, it's, there, there's also a return issue here with the financial, right? Like my billable hours are 350 an hour. I don't do hourly, but I'm worth a hell of a lot more <laughs> than my, my intern, you know, who's like 15 an hour to go and do, I hate to say it, a little bit of fluff pieces because we, we don't want to do really heavy, you know, like this is how you defend a sex assault trial, right? Like nobody wants to see that. We might talk about, you know, deregistration as a sex offender or something like that, but that's like a research project that they can spend 30 minutes to an hour getting research done and then another hour drafting it and earn a couple hundred bucks. Why wouldn't you do that? Like well, you'll I, make money. Right. And I love you talked about, sorry, I'm getting attacked by a fly inside. Um, anyway, you talked about the, like your, not that you're doing billable hours, but in essence, you have sort of broken down, like on average, these cases take X hours. So this is what I charge for them. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, especially for criminal defense, it's pretty easy once you've been doing it as long as we have. Well, and it's amazing to me, like when you, a lot of firms, I think really need it broken down that way, where it's like, look, if for every hour that you spend doing that online research, you are costing yourself $350. And like, that becomes the easier way to say like, all right, well, I can offload it here for 15, 20 bucks. I can offload this part for a hundred dollars. I can offload this for one fifty. you know, whatever, whatever the numbers yep. are going to be. I think that's what really helps a lot of people finally make that switch decision. I don't know what we want to call it. Yeah. That uh, shift. I like it. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, if, if you figure for a blog post, one blog post, not the social media posts for the whole week, not the newsletter, not recording the video, not uploading the video on YouTube, just the blog post researching and writing a good blog post, creating a graphic for it, uploading it to WordPress, hour to two hours of my time. Oh, and maybe that's because I'm not a, right. I was, I'm maybe not the best writer or fastest writer. I do a lot like verbally. Um, no, I think here. it should even take more because a lot of like, what we're doing for a lot of our clients would be 
going on, you know, answer the public and finding the stuff that search and then pulling some Google trends to find out what people are looking for and then getting yep. the keywords and then researching the law and then working the keywords in. So it's not like, you know, as an attorney in this county and this county and this county and this county, this county, whatever, but, you know, finding a way to make that um, human. I mean, I think a lot of these really are, are five and six hour projects to be done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's assuming that I've already got the keyword that I want to target and I'm just researching the substance, but yeah, I mean, your, your hours of time is so much more important than outsourcing that because you're going to make more money doing the client work or doing other admin work, dealing with whatever fire you've got to put out that requires an owner's attention. The way I like to think about it, something I learned from lawyers too, is, is this the highest and best use of your brain power? Because your brain power as the attorney is what clients are hiring you for. Granted, the marketing is how the clients find you, but how many attorneys are really great marketers? We didn't go to school to be marketers. How many of us even had a marketing class? I mean, I did, but I never did. And I'm yeah. here. I mean, I my undergrads that's... in business, my undergrads in accounting. Uh -huh. So the see, mine was thing. history. So really, nothing helpful. <laughs> in any way shape or form and that's a lot of lawyers you know like that's yeah. that's probably most of us my second was poli sci so well or and and not or and you not being burned out as the attorney as the go-to expert as the whatever i mean that's huge too because yes there are 24 hours in the day but if you're spending 20 of them you know focused on doing the marketing admin stuff and the legal work so that's gonna fall behind then you know you're burning yourself out not resting not having the recovery time and not enjoying life. And I think a lot of attorneys just hear this and they go, oh God, this is more overhead, right? Like I've got to pay somebody else to do this. That's overhead. I don't want to do that. Especially criminal defense attorneys in Colorado. They have like very little staff. They might have a receptionist. They rarely have a paralegal, you know, criminal defense attorneys in Colorado are solo shops. And I'm like, but it doesn't have to be. You are literally killing yourself and you're not even the best person to do this job. And yeah, I mean, it just, it blows my mind. That was the biggest thing for me. So my firm, the success of my firm at the beginning was basically all referral based. And so what I looked at was like, all right, if I bring on this law student to do X, if I bring on this company to do Y, if I bring on, if I hire this person to do, you know, A, B, and C, then I'm going to commit to two more lunches a week. I'm going to commit to one extra happy hour. I'm going to commit to another organization so I can generate that stuff. Eventually I got capped out, which goes back to our prior conversation, you know, and at that point it was bringing in a lot of the marketing stuff that we've then, you know, spun out now to support the referrals. Um, but it was really interesting to, to realize that I was costing myself money directly, like direct bottom line revenue, costing myself by wasting my time on those things. Yeah. Yep. And there's some things that you need to do, especially when you're first starting out on your own to market yourself, right? Especially if you're ideal you know, source of business is going to be, you know, colleagues or business to business type work, right? Like I'm marketing directly to consumers who have a seventh grade reading level and a criminal history a couple pages long. Let's be honest, where are they going to be at? Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, right? Like my blog posts are written with as, you know, simple wording as we can do. We make fun of ourselves. I curse during my intakes, you know, like, this is where my clients are. If I'm marketing as like a business law attorney, you know, I'm doing more of what you're talking about going out and meeting people for coffee, meeting people for lunches. When I first started, I did that for my firm too, though. 
And I think that was critical because then people could put a face with a name. And I spent like a year going to every single networking event that I could because my goal was to hand out 10 business cards, um, 10 business cards a month to new people. And that's pretty difficult to do, actually. Um, what was funny was I backed into that from a sales seminar that I took for the Small Business Development Center, not meant for lawyers, right? Like I'm looking at sales in general and taking some of those seminars. It was totally free. I spent a whole day learning from doctors and chiropractors, you know, and other business owners, how they get the word out. And it was taught by a really great coach. I can't remember now. It's been six years, but it was like, okay. If this is how much money you want to take home, back that up. How many cases do you need to sign? What's your conversion rate? How many cases do you need to ha have potential clients come in the door? Back that up and say, how many people do you send business cards or contact on a you know daily, monthly, weekly basis to get those potential clients in the door? And what I really started looking at was the internet was the only way I was going to make that happen. Because I did it for the first year where I tried and tried and tried. And I still get I still get referrals from other attorneys and stuff that I met in that first year. So it's worth it. That's a long-term play, right? Trying to get my clients in mass volumes. For me, it was always going to be online. It was always going to be content. It was always going to be doing stuff like this where I can put out content for other attorneys and hit everybody at once, start a Facebook group. Guess where this recording's going, Jordan? <laughs> um, it's where you can find the biggest audience because mine is a volume-based practice. See, it's so interesting that you say that because the experience that I've had and the majority of our clients at the beginning is it takes them longer. It, they don't necessarily, the time of the jumping out of referrals maybe isn't that different, but they're doing it from, because they have the financial base of the referrals, not from quickly having that understanding of that's not going to be the long-term goal for them. Right. Yeah. And I think lawyers are built and taught to like consider networking above all else as the gold standard on how to market your firm. Well, how did, how did our mentors and their mentors and their mentors generate stuff? I mean, we couldn't advertise for a while, so. Right. Um, I don't know. I shared something on Twitter. Um, I think last night, and it was about how the ABA took on radio program where free like callers called in and a free panel of lawyers gave them legal advice, even though it was like legal information. This is how you can handle that situation. It doesn't, this isn't specific to your case, you know, big disclaimer on the bottom. And they shut the ABA shut down the radio program in the 1930s. And I was like, okay, so it's been radio. And then it's, there was so much about TV and ambulance chasing and like, you can't do those things. You got to be careful what you say on TV. And then it was internet. Oh God, you have to be so careful what you put on the internet. Right. And, and then it's like, okay, what's next? AI is going to be next guys. Come on, get on board. Like, this is just ridiculous that our profession is so far behind the times and you find certain States are better than others. Sorry, Jordan, Florida sucks. No, it's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> We, we make it work our way. No, um, and it's so true. You know, we are consistently behind the times. And I think that's the, the interesting thing for me is going to be what's going to happen first. Are enough states going to go the route of Utah and Arizona and deregulate to allow for the quicker turnaround time of accomplishing technology? Or are you going to have all of these other states try and dig in their heels and maybe they make some concessions to beat antitrust lawsuits, whatever it's going to be. 
um, or maybe they don't and they see how long they can last before a bunch of lawyers litigate this, which is the most amazing part that we are going to be the ones deciding the future of our industry and the openness of our industry on so many of these levels, because that's where lawyers sit. Right. And that's not good client service either. Like that's it's so ridiculous. That's a whole different subject, but it, I find it kind of um, similar to when Colorado opted to legalize marijuana, even as recreational okay. marijuana, all of the States around us were like, Oh, hell no. And they put like, they put people like cops literally sat on the border and pulled people over with Colorado plates <laughs> because they were like, you're, you're probably transporting drugs. And a fair number of them probably were. Um, it's the same sort of thing. Like the state by state and piecemeal thing is just, we don't live in a piecemeal world. Right. Except for if you're an attorney and maybe like doctors have to take boards and stuff, but like every other industry has like global reach. And what works in Colorado won't even work in Nebraska. And my hometown's 10 minutes from Nebraska. So I know way too much about Nebraska law. Well, but, but also you had the flip side, not the flip side of that. The the continuation of that though is when COVID hit, what did the what did the bars do? Maybe at most our courts went to virtual, but like the AMA was suddenly with like, let's let doctors practice anywhere because we're gonna need them and nurses and whatnot to be able to shift around. And the ABA was like that seems like a state problem. So, you know, we're not even built to have some sort of nationwide emergency act. And I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are relaxed regulations on Prohog Vice or whatever it's going to be, but there wasn't that same, you know, nationwide pitch to allow us the flexibility and freedom. Right. I mean, the universal bar exam coming out and, and the UBE being an option, Ooh, that changed things, right? Like you could transfer your score from state to state. I had to take two bar exams because I was six months from waving in when I moved. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> but, it's just so ridiculous. But to tie this all back to that fearing marketing, without the marketing, I don't think you ever position yourself. I don't think you ever get positioned to be able to make these decisions. You know, you're, you don't know enough to know what the next trend is going to be. You don't know enough to have your firm survive not being able to jump on the next trend. You don't know enough to, you know, be able to position yourself in the right spot for your clients, I think. And I agree. And I think like it comes back to the to the title too of the the piece today, which is lawyers come to marketing from a place that's rooted in fear. And they really they're backwards facing. They're, you know, they, they think about what's happened in the past, not what's happening in the future. And that right there is the difference between a marketer's mindset and a lawyer's mindset. Like a lawyer is going to be looking at the past and what's worked before and where I've got money with like networking people versus a marketer who's like, what's next? Who can I target now? What's going to come in the door? And I hear it all the time, right? Like lawyers are just like, oh man, I go out on my own, but I really don't know where I'm going to get the clients. I don't know where the next client's going to come through the door. A, you've got to be forward thinking. You got to try stuff. It's a shotgun approach, right? With marketing. Lawyers are not also good at shotgun approach. <laughs> They're very much like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my strategy. This is my one thing. They're more like a rifle. I'm a rural kid, so... They're sorry for the gun analogy. Uh, but yeah, like you gotta, you gotta just get out there and try something. And if it doesn't work, switch to something else, you know, don't, don't allocate a huge budget for it, but there's a lot of trial and error with this. And lawyers are so scared of trial and error because that's not See, how we operate. 
See, I will, I do want to push back slightly on that because <laughs> I, the shotgun approach, I don't, I don't think uh, 95% of firms don't have enough money to do the shotgun approach. I think right. a lot of what we are doing is try these five rifle shots instead of just <laughs> trying this one or, you know, something like that. Like it's, it's I agree. finding that wiggle room. Um, no. So also uh, other, we talked about guns. Let's go. My next unpopular opinion. I don't like Mad Men. I didn't get it. It didn't do anything for me. But there's that one scene where the younger dude is sitting at some, I don't know, award ceremony. And they're like, there's an older doctor next to him who's like, ha ha, you're an ad exec. Like, what do you do? And he just looks at the guy and he's like, you're, you're great at what you do, right? You love helping people. Yeah. Well, and so if more people knew about you, couldn't you help more people? Yeah. Could you make more of an impact on your community? Yeah. And he's like, that's my job. And like, I really find the more that I internalize that concept from the marketing side, the more that dovetails perfectly into the lawyer side, because it's like the more people that know of you, the more you can help, the more you can be a great lawyer for them. It's not this like weird concept of you sacrificing being a great attorney to be, to market properly. Yeah. Uh, I can't, can't emphasize that enough. And I think with like, with the shotgun approach thing, I should have qualified it and just said a strategic shotgun approach because sure. okay. it's not just throwing stuff at the wall, but it's, it's making decisions and then trying a few things. Yeah. Um, but no, to, to your point, like the, the fact that, you know, people know your name and know what you do. That is my whole goal, right? Like a, my name is so unique. You can find me if you just Google J U S T I E attorney nationwide. There's only one of me. Hmm. Um, and then what I always tell people, like I was, I was involved in the chamber of commerce for a little while. Um, I know other attorneys who are involved in like B and I, I'm a big fan of rotary because if I go to rotary meetings, I get rejuvenation from it. I get faith that there are good people still in this world versus my criminal defense clients. Not that they're not good people, but they make some questionable decisions. So giving back in the charitable side of it was nice with rotary, but what I would tell like the chamber and rotary folks is yeah, I'm sponsoring this event for you guys. Like my law firm sponsoring this event. Thanks for giving me like five minutes of your time just to say, hi, this is who I am. And really what it comes down to is I don't think any of you look like criminals, right? Because I'm talking to a group of professionals. Same thing with colleagues a little What's bit. What's the difference between professionals and criminals? <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just whether or not we got caught, right? No. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And I think, thankfully, I haven't gotten a ton of actual clients from that group, but, um, the chamber and rotary folks, you know, I always make a joke about it. I'm like, you don't look like a criminal, but I guarantee you, you all know someone who's gotten a DUI and then you see the light bulb come on and I say, okay, that's all I need. You know, my name, you know, where to find me. You tell that person who got the DUI, come talk to me when they're ready. And it just, I get tons of jokes and laughs from that. And it, it's, it works. Like I get clients from those kinds of things, but I, again, yeah. I'm taking the approach where one small donation sponsorship for an event and I can reach 150 people. Like that was a pretty big deal for me. So um, as we get towards the end here, I want to make sure we, we don't blow our time window. Um, what else do you want to make sure that we cover on this? Why attorneys should not fear marketing or how to help attorneys get over that fear of marketing? Did we cover everything? I think we pretty much covered everything. I mean, I can talk on this subject all day long. <laughs> Me too. As I'm, sure, Me too. as I'm sure you can too. You know, I think we've talked about guns and medical marijuana. I, this is, these were all my talking points. Religion and abortion. We got we have two more to go. <laughs> we just go with that. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Um, so I want to, we'll have our final takeaway, but I want to talk about our next episode that will air on Monday, uh, 1.30, Breezy. Okay. 1.30 Eastern time on Monday, we have Chelsea Williams coming on. For those of you that don't know Chelsea, she runs Your Core Solutions, where she helps attorneys create the financial model that they need. So we're going to talk about understanding your money, mastering your long your law firm's finances. So for those of you that know me know that there are two things I believe keep every firm open, money and how you get that money. So the marketing is the second side of that. Chelsea will fill in the first side of that because at the end of the day, no matter how wonderful we are, no matter how altruistic we are, no matter how much we want to help as many people as we can, we need money to keep the doors open, to keep the lights on, to keep the staff paid, to keep ourselves covered, etc. cetera. Um, but we're not gonna end on that note because Justy, while I still have you here, I want that biggest takeaway. We covered a lot of things here. We talked a lot of it about the mindset, but from the standpoint of a semi-struggling law firm owner or brand new law firm owner watching this, what is your biggest piece of advice for them to become the exhibit A of a successful attorney? I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. And that can come from a variety of sources. You know, we've, we've talked about the Bar Association here, the Solo Small Firm Executives Council, the Solo Small Firm Surviving SSF Practice Facebook group, but also attorney regulation. If you're not sure, just ask before you do it you won't regret asking ever. And they'll give you information for free most of the time too. Um, ask colleagues, ask to delegate work to interns, externs, marketing companies, people that do this for a living. So just ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help and listen to podcasts like this one. There we go. No, it, it, it's such a good point because it amazes, you are literally taught how to ask the proper questions in law school. Like, I don't know if your law school is anything like my school, I don't use anything that I learned other than how to think critically most of the time, which becomes like, what's the right question? Yeah. Sim okay. Similar experience. Yeah. And then you get out on your own and you're like, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to do payroll. I still don't know the difference between accounts payable and accounts receivable. Literally every time it comes up, I have to Google which one I'm talking about and I get it wrong like 75% of the time. But ask, just ask. Just there's ask. somebody out there who will help you. There's there's a bar ethics line. There's the local chamber. There's a mentor. There's the the person in the in the office space next to you. There's somebody who wants to help you because I know from my standpoint, I am so 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 thankful for the literally hundreds of people that took time out to help me. And now I feel like I have I have to give it back. I want to give it back. I enjoy giving it back, and I hope that I can save a bunch of other people time and money to make the same mistakes that I made, even with all of the advice from great people. That was right advice. Yes. If you can, if you can help one person, right, you've done something right in this context. And yeah, I freely give my time too. So I would encourage anybody who has questions if they want to ask me for help. Like I am in Colorado, my rules may be slightly different, but like, I'm happy to help anytime. I actually helped someone who was practicing law out of a camper recently and I'm looking over here because she sent me this fantastic little thank you note afterwards that's so cool. I mean just I mean I was like oh that's so sweet how many times do I do these phone calls and then she sent me like a follow-up written thank you so I'm like I'll do this anytime it's stuff like that that makes it worthwhile that's what my wife won't let me do sell her house buy a camper and just wander around the country my kid's like my kid's three and a half so he's got two years before kindergarten I was like it's now or never yep I got a four and a half year old and it was the same sort of thing. And my husband's like, I'm six foot four and I won't fit in a camper van. 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm closer to four foot six than six foot four, so <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. The I'm one like, thing I don't when have it comes to heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he vetoed right. that, but so ideally, surviving uh, SSF practice on Facebook. We've got the Twitter. We've got the Colorado Law Team, and really everybody listening to this. If you've got questions about that tech, about the automation, about the systems, especially from the what did you you called it higher volume practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So especially from the higher volume practice, like it is one thing to talk to a medical malpractice attorney with a caseload of eight about how they have their systems. It is totally different to talk to a criminal defense attorney who probably has eight cases set in eight different courtrooms every morning, the exact same time for the same stuff. So depending upon where you are on that scale of um, higher volume or lower volume, you have a great resource here to talk to a great Facebook group and a wonderful person in Justy to chat with. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I can't, I can't thank you enough. It's fun to get to chat on these sorts of things, especially during work from home days. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why we did this. I may, I connected with zero other humans for like, uh, all of last March and, or most of half March, April, whatever. So we've been doing the Facebook lives and then obviously it's wonderful to be able to connect across the country. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And then hopefully we'll see everybody back Monday at 1.30 for the episode with Chelsea Williams on understanding your money, mastering your law firm's finances. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.